Welcome to Peacemakers, an interview style podcast where you'll hear and learn from world changers, ministry leaders, creatives, and many others who are influencing change and bringing peace to those around them. We're so excited that you're tuning in. Here's your host, Jonathan Moya. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Peacemakers. I'm super excited about today's conversation. Today's guest is Jacob Salguero. What's up, y'all? Jacob is a Gen Z advocate, a creative and author from Dallas, Texas. He is a designer that loves Jesus and is on mission. He uses his computer to change the world. If you don't know about Gen Z, Generation Z is a generation born from 1997 till 2012. So I'm excited to dive into this next conversation with Jacob. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I'm excited to be speaking with you today, Jacob. So glad to have you share with us today. I'm excited to talk a little bit about who you are, hear your story, and also just dive in into this love for Gen Z as a upcoming generation and yeah. everything that you have to share about that in that space. Before we dive into this part of the conversation, I want to just give the listeners some context about yourself. Who right. is Jacob? Where did you grow up? What influences your love for the church? Sick. Yeah. My name is Jacob. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I live in Dallas, Texas. 24 years old. I have a beautiful son and a beautiful wife. And man, what influences my love for the church is all that the church has done for me. Getting saved at 16, literally walking to church just to serve. And the people, the pastors that walk with me, talk with me. I mean, there's nothing like the local church. I have a burden for it to become more and back to the original space that it's supposed to be, honestly, the biblical space. And I have a passion for that because I believe communities need it and more people like me need it. That's awesome to hear. I'm encouraged to hear you as a young adult, hear your passion for the local church and also hear you vocalize, you know, your love for the church. Often when we hear about the younger generation, it's often about the statistics of the young generation leaving the church, how, you know, Gen Z is upset at the church and they're more focused on other justice issues versus, you know, the love of the church. And so I just love hearing that from you. And I love hearing how the church has shaped you. But before I go into a deeper part of that, you live in Dallas, Texas now. Yes, sir. Yeah, and so what drew you to Dallas? What what keeps you in Texas right now? Literally, I love Dallas so much. My son's middle name is Dallas. Huge lover of Dallas. Go Cowboys. But beyond that, I fell in love with this region. She lived out of the San Antonio for a little bit last year. I was a pastor, and God actually called us back to Dallas. And I think it's because of the spiritual nature in this city. I think the beauty of Dallas is that people come from all over the country to find spiritual health here and the issues is that they stay here in the spiritual healthy place and never go back to spiritually sick places. And I think for me, I have a burden to awaken that part of, the, uh, of Dallas, the believers to get active again. And specifically Oak Cliff, the neighborhood I live in, just a huge epidemic of drugs, gangs, lifestyle like that. And I think the gospel works in a spaces like that to bring peace to, to children, to families. And I think that's kind of what my heart is. I love the city of Dallas. I love what it means for America. The amount of revivals, gatherings that happen in this space is incredible. But I also think right now we need Dallas more than ever to start sending out people 
into the nation to see the gospel spread around the country and around the world. I spend a little bit of time in Dallas and I can disagree with everything that you're sharing. I think there's a lot happening and just from things that I know about and I'm excited because I think it is birthing and giving continuity to a lot of gospel impact. Uh, thanks for being a part of that. One of the things that really kind of drew me to you and to kind of continue following you online, getting to know you a little better, I see you as a, a leading voice when it comes to learning about Gen Z. Not just Gen Z as a generation, as an upcoming generation, but about Gen Z and its relationship and correlation with the church. When did you realize that you kind of had to take the lead in this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I'm Gen Z myself. The Gen Z person led me to Christ. And I think that kind of gave me a burden for Gen Z. I think also my, my personal frustration with the church, where it was, I was always being spoken for as Gen Z. I remember like even speaking in sermons and Sunday sermons and my, my youth leaders would step in and try to, you know, before I say something, try to correct me in the middle of my sermon and things like that. It was like, man, like, is our voice really valued? And, you know, I started noticing things in the church as if, why isn't Gen Z in boardrooms, you know? Why isn't Gen Z on platforms and preaching on Sundays? And Because I do believe there's value in their voice. And I know that right now we're in a deconstruction, I would say epidemic, in a sense of all across the nation, in maybe the world, people in their 20s and maybe earlier than 20s are starting to be like, is this real? Like, is this gospel thing real? Is this Jesus thing real? And the reason why they're questioning it is not because of the gospel. Because if you really read the gospel and you really know this gospel, I mean, it will transform you. The church's perception and messaging of the gospel, which gets people to the deconstruction phase. And that's where I feel like the Lord's been calling me to. It's like, okay, I'm going to speak about Gen Z and bring awareness to the church this is what Gen Z thinks and feels, and this is how they act, and this is how you can reach them. But on the flip side, I've also been doing a lot of, I would say, reconstruction with some of my, my voice of the church and saying, hey, church, we should do this better. Hey, church, this is what the Bible says. Hey, church, this is how we can. And I think that's where the Lord's been pushing me on both ends, where I can reach people of my generation when I start talking about church. And then the older generation gets excited when I start teaching them about Gen Z. So I think that cross-generational thing has been successful. And I'm just honored that I even get to even be a voice in that space. I don't even think I deserve that. But I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing what, what's in front of me. As a millennial myself, right, talking about generations, I feel a little bit of the ache that maybe you felt, right? I think oftentimes generations are only represented within institutions for the, their negative stigmas, right? Or yeah. the negative statistics. But I, I do believe that as current generations, and I, I remember myself being there, I often said, well, but I have so much to give, even though everything seemed to be against us as a generation. But we're capable, but we're, we're strong, we're able, right? And I wanted to do more. And so I feel like with Gen Z, I'm seeing you and others like you that you're just kind of taking the bull by the horn. And I don't say that in a disrespectful way. I say that in a very sensitive and holistic way, because I think right. your vision and your heart for Gen Z and the church is coexisting. 
it's not just talking about a generation and and maybe uplifting its strengths or, or its positive virtues, but you're also addressing some of the hard issues that as a generation you're facing. And most importantly, you are really trying to see those through a gospel lens. And so yeah. why do you think that the church today needs Gen Z? Gen Z, I always say Gen Z is the, it's two things, like Gen Z is the authentic generation and Gen Z is the action generation. What Gen Z grew up doing is seeing fake accounts and spotting fake accounts and spotting fake followers and spotting fake clout. And you can see Gen Zers who, you know, even when it comes to streaming and it comes to YouTube channels, like who's really, you know, they, they really support people who are really pouring into their content and who's about the clout. And I think Gen Z recognizes authenticity. And I think in the last 20 years, the church has neglected authenticity. Are you just, just believe, just honor me because of my position. And Gen Z's like, we don't care about your position. We care about your authenticity. And we see that with the president, our last president. We see that with, you know, current electo people. We see that with celebrities. They're ready to cancel you in any moment. And it's, it's interesting. There's negative parts of that, obviously. I think we, we lack honor as Gen Z. We, we struggle to honor. And I think a lot of it, we struggle to honor because you struggle to be authentic, right? And I think the Lord's kind of bringing that in. That's why the church in Gen Z, I think also, again, the action thing. Why are we just meeting in rooms and not doing anything Monday through Saturday? And I think Gen Z think, sees that. Like, they're the first to protest when something goes down. They're the first to go help out a neighbor. They are the first to do that. And I think even with the vaping thing, which was interesting, like, they're, they're spearheading the, the ending of vaping for their own generation. We see the truth movement or whatever. That's Gen Z all over. They're, they're speaking to their own generation. They use TikTok to find killers. You know, they use TikTok to find abusers. It's crazy to see, but they are the generation of action. And I think the statistic was like 53% or to 56% of Gen Z hear the gospel in action. Like they want to see the gospel in action. They believe that's the best way to preach it. And I think that's what the church has lost. I would say in the last 30 years is, you know, we stopped being action. You know, we stopped being that being the priority. It's just been service and an event and then the conference and then another event. And they're great. I'm all about events and conferences. They're sick. But man, what happened to the poor? What happened to Matthew 25, where it says like the sheep and the goats and, you know, you fed me when I was hungry and you clothed me when I was naked. I think there's something about that that is ingrained in our generation. I think the same thing about millennials. I think millennials carry things. They carried the thing like, hey, why isn't church relevant? And they changed the whole aspect of church. And now we're so relevant that we forgot to be real. And that's why I feel like every generation has that in them to help push church forward into what God's trying to do. Thank you for that insight. Uh, even just in the brief moments of you sharing, you've already just kind of opened my mind to understand just your generation a little bit more, a little bit better, and, and even understand and even look at my life and say, well, how can I lean into this more, right? Because oftentimes we refer as the upcoming generation as like the upcoming or future generation, but it's like, no, you guys are, you're already here. You know, you're the now generation, and that is so vital and important to really address. And so in the midst of the last few years, right, so we're, we're looking at pandemic, we're looking at cultural issues like pro-life versus pro-choice conversation in our nation, where we're looking at gun control is often in the forefront of, yep. of the news and topics that are really, really shaping culture, but yep. not... I don't want to necessarily just get into the cultural aspect of it, but I want to get into 
why is the voice of Gen Z important in the church at this time addressing these really hard issues? I think Gen Z leans to certain spaces and parties, I think. And I think this, that's interesting because the church often, you know, leans a certain way as well, right? We know that. Gen Z in these conversations, they are going to sway in the pendulum of empathy. That's how Gen Z speaks. People say, I feel this pain. I, and I think the church in a long past time, it's been truth with no empathy. And then Gen Z is empathy and no truth. And I think that's what's beautiful about the, this collaboration that we have in the future. I think with a lot of these issues, I think a lot of it's a lot of empathy that we're lacking, especially older generations. They're like, you know, this is what the Bible says, period. And I'm like, that's great. I agree. But look in this person's eyes and say it. We lack empathy. And I think Gen Z speaks in empathy. And that's how they, that's how they operate. And if there's a way where we can collaborate Gen Z and teach them how do we speak truth in empathy, I think there's going to be a lot of issues that we can help resolve, a lot of people we can help bring back into the church. I remember working, I worked construction for a little bit after Bible college, and a guy actually said, I don't like Christians, I don't like the church because they support a certain person. And I was like, that's not, that's not it. You know what I'm saying? That's not Christianity. <laughs> And I begin to tell him the gospel of like, this is what Jesus supports. He supports truth and empathy. He supports justice and righteousness. He actually gave his life to the Lord, went to church, got baptized, brought his whole family. They all get baptized. And it's like, isn't it interesting that something so little as, oh, I don't go to church because they support a certain political person can be a reason why Gen Zers, he was Gen Z, don't go to church. And I think that's kind of where we have to be at. It's like, I believe in truth, but I also believe in empathy. And that's how God speaks. He says, I speak in grace and truth. I love hearing your insight because I think you're trying to address, and, and I don't want this to, to come across this way, but Gen Z has to be more than just a buzzword for the church, right? Yeah. Like, I think we have to take tangible steps and create a structure where we're really supporting and, and engaging that voice. And so you've, you've shared that, you know, how Gen Z wants to, be tangible, real. They want application for their life. In one of your recent social posts, I, I remember seeing this. You say it very well, and it's true. Jesus has already taught this. It's about really discipleship. And I think something that millennials have lacked from our older generation is that discipleship being kind of passed down, right? And yeah. being at the forefront of the gospel. You know, you also say that Gen Z is a discipleship craving generation. Expand a little bit more on this. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a depth topic, but it goes back into the conversation of fatherhood, motherhood. So the increase of divorce in the past generation leads to more single homes or multifamily homes. The income being raised leads to most families, moms and dads have to work. So we see a generation who's honestly mostly fatherless or motherless when it comes to spiritual matters. Paul says in scripture, he says, better is it to have one father than 10,000 teachers. And, I, and it, that's, if, you, if we really want to impact that, how many voices are on social media? Tens of thousands, but there's not many fathers who will go up to someone and be like, hey, I'm going to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to be with you. And when we see it, bro, during the pandemic, 2% of church leaders reached out 
to one of their students, 2%. And then we ask, why does Gen Z don't want to come to church? And it's because they do crave, in a sense, fatherhood. They do crave motherhood. They do crave people walking and talking with them. And that's the issue is that we became, after that earlier, we became so relevant that we no longer became relational. And it's, it's so beautiful. Like, there's a whole thing I'm going to go into, but it's like, it's something like 48% of Gen Z will speak to someone outside of their parents about their spiritual, mental health issues. Name another place than the church and in discipleship. You get what I'm saying? And it's like, again, like the Lord brought this generation saying, I don't want to just be a participator of something. Like, I mean, a spectator of something. I want to participate in a lifestyle of something. And if you look at it like from a, a, a wide-eye lens, Gen Z, you know, they start businesses by watching people on YouTube. My little brother-in-law, he spent like $300 or something for a business mentorship program. 18 years old, bro. And you're t- you know, like, this is the stuff that Gen Z is doing. Like, they're on YouTube learning. They're learning video games. They're learning creation. They're learning. They're getting discipled by the internet. And the church is like, just come to my service, and I'm going to preach to you for 30 minutes. And then, you, you know what I'm saying? It's not relational. I'm not gaining anything from it. And most importantly, like, I'm not having someone walk and be a father or mother in my life. And you can honestly, I say that from my, spe- my specific context, and then I'll go do the research. I see the numbers. But then seeing like my Instagram, the majority, I think it's like 80% of my, my social media followers are 18 to 24, which is Gen Z. They're saying, yeah, I've been trying to say this for years. And it's, it's for me, I'm like, man, I've been thinking this for years, you know, and I haven't said nothing. So I think it's interesting that majority of my generation says, yeah, I do need a father in my life. You know, I need someone to walk with me and talk with me and be with me. So discipleship is God's plan. I mean, this was his plan for humanity and how we spread this gospel. And I think it's interesting how Gen Z is like, that's what I need. You know, let's get back to it again. Reforming the church. Discipleship is one of those maybe for some people kind of a, a heavy word or a heady word. Right. But I think discipleship is at the core of what the gospel is, is at the core yeah. of uh, who we're called to be. We're called to be disciple makers as well. And so I can speak from experience too that. I think it was discipleship, right, that really impacted my life. I think it was those people who went the extra mile and have walked the life with me and mentorship or guidance that has really impacted my life. So I appreciate you sharing all of this. From what I know about you and, and your work, you fit the mold of a peacemaker. And so wow. this podcast is called Peacemakers. What does peacemaking look like in your spirit of influence as a creative, as a writer, as a designer? Yeah, as a designer, I think as a designer and a creative, peacemaking is building unity within creators. Right now, there's a lot of disunity and competition, especially around uh, church creatives. I think being a peacemaker is saying, hey, like, I have something that you can gain and you have something that I can gain. I mean, there's no unity without peace. There's no peace without unity. And I think that's where we're at as a church. We need to, we need, we're better together. And, you know, my whole thing is to bring peace from not, I wouldn't say the hatred, but I do think the church has a really big anger towards people who question them right now. And I think people who question the church have a deep anger. And I think I've been called to bring a peace between that, where it's like, actually, y'all are both screaming the same things. You're the solution to their problem, and they're the solution to your problem. And I think that's where, through my creation, through my writing, I want to see people who are like me, who want to see the local church again, 
believe in local church or even people who have been hurt and burned by the church to come back to a, a at peace state with the local church and to be in unity again that and again with my creativity you know i want to see you know churches united especially in my region in dallas there's a big uh competitive spirit between churches and i think the only way we're truly truly going to get connected in our city is through creatives because creatives aren't tied down through a message or a theology they just make cool stuff and they're more willing to be connected to others and i think that's what we're trying to do here in dallas it's like you're a creator you're a creator come meet this guy let's just build unity between these churches so we can together create a as one thing that jesus asked for asked for us in scripture that you know that we would be one right so i think that's the answer is like peace between churches peace between those who are hurt by church or thinking question church with the people with the actual local church i think that's where my mission is right now like god like help me too it's kind of a heavy burden i didn't ask for it right it's like if it was up to me i'll just make cool graphics and chill all day right but it's like the burden's so heavy to bring peace between people like who are hurt and broken by the church and bring peace to local churches being in unity again. And I mean, I may not see it in my lifetime, but hope my son sees it. And I believe like the Lord's trying to do something in this city. So, Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. I love that you continue to lean into it deeper and deeper. And so I love your heart for it. And I love your passion for the local church because it's it's so needed and it's so vital and i love that even the upcoming generation i feel like more than my generation as a millennial i think is is really uh, leaning more into the local church which is also i love and so yeah. one of the things i wanted to highlight in our conversation was your recent published book it's titled for the love of gen z this book is about the generation born from 1997 through 2012. This book is full of statistics, resources, and practical steps to help reach and disciple Generation Z. So I'm sure that this book has been some time in the making. So what was that process like for you? Researching, editing, designing? Tell us a little about that. So it actually wasn't like time in the making, in a sense. So I put the book together in like two and a half months. Wow. I'm a very quick designer, so that's not the hard part. The hard part was the statistics and the sources, but that for me was about a two-year process. So the Lord burdened me when I was a youth pastor in San Antonio, and he said to me, he was like, you, you can't say you love someone that you do not know. And for a long time, I was like, I love youth. I love Generation Z. And I think we, our zeal oftentimes blinds us from our lack of intellect. And we often say like, oh yeah, I have a passion. And we think the passion is enough, but you can passionately run into a brick wall and you're still gonna get hurt. And I think for us, as I mean, as a youth pastor, I was burdened by that. So I began to study. So it started then about two years, maybe like, yeah, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where I just started to study. And I had my staff, I had two interns at the time and their responsibility was to scour the internet for Gen Z sources. And we spent six to seven months just studying on Gen Z, like every day. And we were reading and we were watching videos. And those guys are, you know, those guys are more equipped than me now. And we created sheets of notes and we created thousands of, of topics and numbers and statistics. And that book is kind of a collection of that in a sense and presented in a very visual sense where you can look back to it as a reference. 
And it's very Gen Z. I love Barna. My boys at Barna, they're dope. But their stuff looks really, you know, business-like. And so I wanted to make it look dope. wanted to make it look my style. But I think it's, it was that. It culminated as us studying and kind of having a hunger for it. And, you know, I've called out a lot of my youth pastor friends in Dallas because, you know, they, they work full-time and they make, you know, they make decent money. And they don't even read about their own people that they pastor. And that, that blew my mind. It's like there's dudes out here who don't even get paid by churches. They're studying crazy for them. So that, that was my heart. It was like, all right, God, like I can't dishonor your generation by not learning about them. So, you know, it took two months. Honestly, I, I made the cover while I was taking out my dogs. And I was like, you know, I should just do this. Like there's no one in Gen Z right now, you know, writing a book about Gen Z. And I had people, you know, tell me, why are you doing that? There's a bunch of statistic books out there you should create a launch video and all this stuff. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just going to do what I do. And wh- whoever gets it, gets it. And, and I'm surprised by the reach. I mean, I think it was 14 or 15 different nations that has this, this material now. And I'm like, dude, I'm just a guy in Dallas making graphics on my computer. So I'm honored by it. But it's really the testament of my guys who studied, Jesus and Richie, they, they, they were the ones putting in the work while I was pastoring kids. And, you know, now we're all reaping the fruit of that. So, Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I love the process. I think sometimes, oftentimes, we only see the end results, right, of something, whether it's a published book, whether it's a, a finished, really nice edited video, a great website. But the process is what teaches us, it molds us, it crafts us into who we really are and, and, and really showcases a little bit about, about us, you know, our, maybe our desire to be excellent in the work, go after every grammar error that might be on there to go after every visual, you know, in order for it to be perfect, because this is what you want to communicate and this is how you want excellence to be portrayed. And so... I love it. I'm so glad and I'm thankful that you have given, literally, I mean, given the church this resource. If somebody wants a copy of this, where can they die? Jacobmouse.com slash Gen Z forward slash Gen Z. All right. Yeah. And so click it zero dollars. That's the best part about it. If you love statistics, research, uh, practical steps to reach and disciple Generation Z, please go to jacobmouse.com slash Gen Z to download a free copy of this book. That's why uh, I said, and I'm highlighting it, you've given the church this resource. And so there shouldn't be an excuse just for us to learn more, to dive deeper into this, this beautifully created, very visual content. And so Jacob, here in our last few minutes, is there anything else that we should know about you? Man, just the biggest thing I want whoever's listening is to I always preach this and it's like, you don't have to work at a church to do ministry. I think there's books out there from random business owners that need to be put out. I think there's people out there who have a love for Gen Z in the church that need to lift up their voice. God's not calling people who just got a degree, you know, God's not calling people who are just, you know, excellent theologians. He's calling every single one of us and it takes every single one of us to reach our spirits of influence for the gospel. Why is it that everyone that loved Jesus works at church? You know, and I was like, man, I need more KFC managers who love Jesus. I need more Chick-fil-A managers who love Jesus. I need some Chili's managers that love Jesus. I need some people who are just in regular jobs, just like me. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Man, I'm just a guy who works on a computer, but it's like this mission, this gospel has consumed me 
And I think a lot of people can live that way. And I think that's what we're called to do, man. Uh, I think that's the normal. I mean, people call me radical, but I think this is the normal. We should, I mean, if you're listening to this, produce that book, give it out to the church, you know, produce that video, produce those graphics, give it out to the church. We're here for one mission. At the end of the day, when, when our eyes shut and we meet our maker, I want to look back and say, hey, God, you gave me three talents, but I made 330,000. And that's what, that's the goal. And I think a lot of people are, have a fear of man in a sense where they're afraid of failing and they're afraid of what are people going to think or say is like, man, at the end of the day, we fear God and I'm going to meet him. And I want to be like, God, I gave it everything that I have, no matter where I was at. And that's it, man. That's my biggest heart. It's like, please don't let the ministry just stop at church. Please. Like you guys have the carriers, the Holy Spirit and I think the world needs more people who just are willing to do the most of what they have in front of them, you know? That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing your heart with us. And I'm challenged by your voice. I am eager to continue learning from you. I respect you in a great way as a, a younger peer, a younger, I would say minister, but you say, you know, you're just a regular person, but you're really helping shape, especially this culture and bridge this culture within a generation and the church. And so thank you for doing that. I want to continue just uh, championing your work. And Thanks, I want to, you know, really draw people to, to follow you on social and then wrestle with some of the things that you put out often. So if you want to follow Jacob on Instagram, you can follow him at Jacob Salguero. And then Salguero yep. is spelled S-A-L-G-U-E-R-O. Or you can check Sorry. out his website, jacobmouse.com. And make sure to download a copy of the book, For the Love of Gen Z. Again, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If there was anything that stood out to you from this conversation, we'll post links about it in our show notes. So make sure to check those out. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peacemakers. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, go ahead and hit subscribe. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends through Instagram stories on Spotify. And most importantly, don't forget to join us for our next exciting episode. Peacemakers podcast is made possible by Border Perspective. Border Perspective partners with ministry leaders and organizations to host conversations on social and biblical issues that help equip the church to love our neighbor the way God intended. You can also join Border Perspective on a service learning trip along the southern border. These trips are immersive, educational, and intentionally place you into the lives of immigrant leaders serving families on the South Texas and Mexico border. To learn more about how you can join Border Perspective's peacemaking mission, visit Border Perspective dot org.